Welcome everyone to the next episode in Shared Ireland's podcast series. Our guest today is a remarkable man who formed friendships that spanned the divides, but there's one person in particular that stands out. Our guest today read a eulogy at Mr. Martin McGuinness's funeral, and I quote, I cherish my truly unique friendship with Martin. I miss Martin greatly. He gave me strength in times of trouble and wisdom in times of uncertainty. He was a special human being. Shared Ireland is privileged to welcome along Reverend David Latimer. Welcome, David. Thank you. It's lovely, lovely to be joining with you for this uh, this this experience. It's great to have you here today, and I believe you're just back, or not that long back from England, isn't mm, that right? I was across in London because the book that I have written. Uh, called A Leap of Faith, which recounts my friendship with Martin McGuinness, uh, was launched across in uh, the Irish Cultural Centre in Hammersmith, London. Excellent. And uh, to the surprise of all of us, and yet to our combined pleasure, uh, the place was packed out. And I was signing books coming up to half past eleven at night. Just on that point, we we, <laughs> we have actually two books here which are going to kindly sign for us, and we're going to give them away as a spot prize uh, after this podcast is lovely, released. Lovely, it's uh, I I, I, I uh, the, the people in Hammersmith were were over the moon. They've had signings before, and maybe seventy eighty people turning up. The hall was packed. They had to move into a bigger hall, Excellent. and uh, we had people whose Irish roots uh, start in Cork and and uh, come up as far as Derry and all points east and west in between. It was an eclectic gathering of people. And afterwards, the the people in Hammersmith said to me, David, there wasn't one negative comment. Everybody's thrilled with the story about you and Martin. And you're going to America, I believe, next? Yes, yes. This uh, I've already Chicago booked for mid-October, the IBAM Festival. Uh, that's an arts and music festival. And uh, we're looking at other cities with a large Irish diaspora, such as um, New York, Washington and and um, Boston. We're, we're lucky we got a hold of you today at all with your busy diary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's lovely. I, it's wonderful that, that, that there's an opportunity to share with people a story they otherwise would never have uh, yeah. encountered. Very true. Uh, and, and at the same time, it, it, it uh, raises funds for the cancer centre here in our city, which serves both Derry and Donegal. Uh, and, uh, and, and just when you mention that fact, I suppose now is a good enough opportunity to elaborate, if you don't mind on that. So the proceeds of your book are going to where, just for anybody yes. that isn't aware? I decided that all the royalties, so the money that would come to an author, yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah, you're, uh, you're rich enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I just keep passing the offering plates around my church uh, on Sundays yeah. and hope they're filled. But anyhow, uh, the, the, the Northwest Cancer Centre is is uh, really an annex of our Alna Galvin Hospital, yeah. and it was one of the last things that Martin succeeded in delivering into our city and into the Northwest while he was Deputy First Minister, and that was this state-of-the-art facility that serves Donegal and Derry, as I've said, and therefore means that um, people in, in this cross-border location don't have to make that long journey either to Belfast or to Dublin. Mm -hmm. The treatments are available within the city. 
uh, and and I, I uh, chatted with Bernie Martin's wife, and she was so pleased that uh, I was thinking as she was thinking, and that was how can we raise money for the Northwest Cancer Centre because that's where Martin was treated. Yeah. So it's it's lovely that um, Bernie actually wrote a forward in your book. Yeah, you know she hasn't done this for any other person. She's a very private lady. She kept in the background, but she's a lovely woman. And uh, I, I go across to see her. In fact, I was with her just before I went across to London. And then after the London lunch, I gave her a ring. And I says, Bertie, I couldn't believe it. The place was packed. She says, David, you're a great man. She says, <laughs> we are so pleased with all that you're doing. Good, excellent. I suppose I, I will jump into it here, David, if you don't mind. Mm. Um, at the introduction there, I suppose I quoted you directly, and I hope accurately, from the eulogy you wrote at Martin's mm. um, untimely death. Mm. Um, I suppose how, for anyone that isn't aware, which I imagine there won't be that many, but mm. how did you and Martin first meet, and how did your friendship come about, and I suppose ultimately how were you affected mm. after yeah. Martin's death? Yeah, yeah. I, I love telling this story. Because uh, it's it's uh, so somebody has said the best relationships uh, you never expect to be in and you don't see them coming mm-hmm. and I could never have seen this coming especially when I went on the radio in 2006 yes uh, to to share with the city that my church First Dairy Presbyterian Church uh, right on the walls adjacent to the bogside and and uh, Free Dairy Corner had been splashed again with paint. paint. And, you know, it it, it was a regular occurrence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we just kept our heads down because we're a minority, a vulnerable position. You didn't want to draw attention to yourselves, uh, to ourselves. But anyhow, the the church was was experiencing a, a, a severe outbreak of dry rot. Probably something to do with the deluge of water that cascaded on the building in 1983 when it went on fire as a result of a of an end, of a petrol bomb. Okay. And quite a bit of the church was burned. Anyhow, uh, we're 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 at a time uh, in 2006 when we knew that Derry uh, that 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 Derry City Council are interested in helping us. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the they, they, the money to uh, to refurbish the church it, it was in a dreadful distressed state, it was getting big, the the amount of money. So anyhow, I'm on the radio and I I'm saying uh, there's only one person in this town who can sort it out, and I didn't want to say who it was, and they pushed me, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, well, it's a man in the past that wore a hat that gave him a fair bit of authority, and I don't think he's lost it. And who could that be, Reverend? And I says it's Martin McGuinness. Now, I never could have expected that within 20 minutes, Sinn Féin office in Craigan would be ringing me to say, David, um, Martin would love to meet you, or you up for it? And that prior to this, had you ever met Martin? Never. Honestly? Never. Right, okay. Martin McGuinness was a figure that you just would not have thought uh, going near. Because um, First Derry Church, uh, on the front line, uh, surrounded by a heavy uh, parcel of security measures covering every window, big steel shutters on the doors, high wire mesh fencing all around the place. It was, it was, it was, uh, it took a lot of keys to get into the church from yeah. you started on the outside. But uh, the, the, the church uh, 
had had uh, members who were either in the part-time Ulster Defence Regiment, okay. that's the part-time bit of the British Army, wear yeah. the same uniform, yeah. Yeah. and the Royal Ulster Constabulary. Okay. And a number of those people had been shot by the IRA. So Martin McGuinness, uh, at this moment, at this particular time, and uh, up to 2006, he was perceived, if he didn't do it, he was the person who, who had something to do with it. So, I mean, he was just... He was just a name you didn't even mention, let alone think of, 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 of being in his company. So the next day I meet him and I discovered, to my surprise, he was a wee bit taller than me. <laughs> and, and, and he's looking down, but you know, his eyes were fixed on my eyes. There was no, there was no wandering of the gaze. He was interested from the word go. Uh, and and uh, I remember him giving me his mobile telephone number and Raymond McCartney uh, an MLA within the city here whom I know well accompanied Martin and as we stood in the in, in the in the kitchen of the church having a cup of tea uh, when this number was handed over I remember Raymond said oh he says you're being very fortunate not many get to see that number and Martin said to me you ring that number whenever you want to uh-huh. so I remember sharing the first meeting with a lady who owns a shop uh, close to the city centre and her response was David the pair of you just clicked from the word go okay. and she, she got it in one Yes, we clicked there was something there was something that that, that uh, allowed me not to see the man that Martin used to be uh, and, and that allowed the, 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 and, and he he equally uh, was was reaching out to me and coming into a Protestant place of you worship. You got a genuine. Um, you you felt as if it wasn't just a gesture that he sincerely meant. Oh it. no! And the proof of that was in the unexpected and beautiful way that a relationship, that a friendship, grew into a relationship. The bond that 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 uh, that, that drew us together just became. It became uh, like super glue, yeah, and 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 it continued that way right to the end. How how did you feel when when you heard the sad news about Martin's? I suppose um, about his ill health, and then obviously him passing yeah. away. How did that affect you uh, personally? I was gutted. I was gutted um, because uh, I I I remember the last public appearance in 2017, the year he died was at the end of January uh, the Bloody Sunday prayer service that for a number of years I'm invited down to participate in. Now that's a wonderful opportunity for a Protestant minister and I'm sharing with the people when I'm there that up in my church you know there are people who have also suffered uh, and it, 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 it's we, we, we all fell into the whirlpool of a dreadful struggle that, that, that has left us all hurt and, and left us with big losses. Um, so um, you know, Martin Martin was there uh, on the at the end of January in 2017, and I came in from my church in Donegal uh, about 11 o'clock. And as I made my way through the crowd, I saw this tall figure, and uh, I recognised his hair, and he was in his big long black coat and his green scarf. And I went over to him, tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned round and he hugged me, <laughs> and. And uh, gosh, it's, it's difficult. This I, I hugged him, and I says, "Martin, you're looking great. 
you're in my prayers and you're in the prayers of an awful lot of people. So uh, I can see by your face, if you don't mind me saying now, that you're you've got emotion here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It affects me. It affects me because um, I, I, uh, my wife said to me recently, David, uh, I came back from being up at his grave, and I said to her, uh, Margaret, I said I was up, I was up looking at Martin's grave, and she knows I don't go to graves. It's just not in my. DNA, even my parents' grave, I would... A reverend that doesn't go to graves? <laughs> I, other than those I have to be at by virtue of being, being the minister officiating at funerals. But then I came back and she says to me, she says, David, Martin is the first person you have really missed. And you know, she's right. That's a big statement. Mm-hmm, huge statement. And I think that's indicative of, of how we grew together and how we journeyed together. My goodness, I, I loved his visits coming into our house. He just bounced in. One day he bounced in with a lovely colourful bunch of flowers for Margaret. Uh, other times he came in and uh, he, he had to get out to the kitchen to see Margaret. Uh, he wanted to thank her for her hospitality. Did you hear the like of it? I mean, the, 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 the man... The man transitioned from being radicalised as a young fellow in a city where there were great injustices, and he transitioned into a person that sets him on a on a level with but with with the great peacemakers of, of, of that have that have walked this would earth. Would it not be fair to say that, David? Even though that you have, um, using your words, that you're radicalised or that you you want to pursue something. You still can be a decent human being, and all, and he always was a decent human being. He was, he was. But sadly, there are people who, uh, when they perhaps reflect on on the the radicalised person, they they fail to see the, the the human being. You don't want to look any further in in mm-hmm. the, in that skin. Yeah. Uh, and and I I I have often said that if we. If we keep looking at the person and seeing who the person was, we will miss recognizing who that person became. And he became, he became uh, a statesman. And that, I tell you, is not words that I use easily. I was well, well, visiting. Look, look who attended this funeral. Leaders from all around the yeah. world. But but let me share this with you. I was visiting in the home of one of my families, one of the few families that still live on the city side. Um, uh, and they're, they, they're living there because of their farming uh, work. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I'm visiting this particular man whose father was chair of the London Dairy Rural District Council. Mm-hmm. So these are the people who the unionist people, uh, both in the in 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 the in the old corporation and in the rural district council, who who called the tunes and, mm-hmm. and, and, and who ruled and who corralled uh, the, the, the nationalist community into certain wards to ensure continuing unionist rule. But I'm with this particular person and in the course of the conversation, he I nearly fell off the chair because we're, the conversation came round about Martin. They brought it round because mm-hmm. uh, you never know with people. Uh, your 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 roots can determine how you continue thinking, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I, I, I this guy said to me, David David uh, Martin McGuinness, he's a statesman, and I'm saying, Robert, uh, 
am I hearing you correctly? Of course you are, he says, he's the only one we've got. Now that was a huge statement from oh a very loyal Unionist Protestant family. And he said he's the only one we've got. He did. And he meant throughout oh. all politicians, I oh. think. Oh, he did. Amazing. And it's it's been people like that, together with people in First Derry who lost loved ones and who paid a very high just, price. Can I ask you just about that, if you don't mind, David? Mm. How did your own community react to your friendship with Martin? Because I suppose I know the answer to some of this, but for mm. again, for anyone that isn't aware, would it be fair to say that you got a little bit of blowback from certain members of your own community? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at, I remember at the, at the Ardesh, which I addressed as the first Protestant minister in 2011 yeah. and this was the first occasion that Sinn Féin came north for their Ardesh mm-hmm. I mean it was a huge honour and I remember Martin saying to me David you can talk about whatever you like feel free that amazing why did you think it was important to accept that invitation David well you know uh, part of part of the, the, the problem in our wee country is we've just lived apart may as well, I often describe it like a twin set of railway tracks and one community's gone down one set of tracks and the other community's gone down the other set, set of tracks and rarely getting a chance to meet, now if you don't get a chance to meet, you never get a chance to get to know uh, 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 the, other, the, other, the other side if you like and if you don't get to know them you can continue to demonise them and consider them to be the enemy when all the time when you get to know them you discover that their hopes and fears are not any different to the hopes and fears that the other side possess. So uh, there's a school in the city here, it's called Ardnishi. It's it, it was the it's the special school. I, I serve on the board of governors there and it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh, school and college. Uh, for for our young people with 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 learning uh, uh, difficulties, but they have a motto. You know what that motto is: "See a river, build a bridge." Now I saw uh, Sinn Fein and and uh, Republicanism almost away, out of sight, and yet uh, I I realised that. The people we need to talk to are not the people we're getting on with. If we're going to make progress, we've got to talk to the people that we find difficult. We've got to talk to our enemies. So... And is that how you want to look at them, as enemies? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I uh, up until um, reaching out to Martin and getting involved with Sinn Féin and getting to know... Uh, the people who are in that particular party and who would be known as Republicans. Mm-hmm. I mean, to unionist Republicans are 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 almost anathema. You know, they they they, uh, they have been denounced uh, for decades, uh, and and because of the the activity of the IRA, and of course. For a long time, uh, the designation for Sinn Féin was Sinn Féin IRA, uh, and and that 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 thankfully uh, ended uh, when when Sinn Féin, uh, with Martin's leadership, uh, moved away from guns and started to see government as the way to bring about change, uh, lasting change. So. 
there, there was some there were, there needed to be some way for me to connect uh, and and I mean I, I I I never dreamt of being on the platform with a, a Republican audience in front of me and of course um, I, I I'm sitting there listening to Martin and he was introducing me he was talking never had any notes standing and he was articulate and, and, and he was he spoke with fluency and he spoke with with passion and anyway I'm thinking gosh uh, Silvio Berlusconi and uh, Nicholas Sarkozy and uh, Barack Obama and David Cameron and uh, Enda Kenny, all of these, and Mrs. Merkel, all of these great leaders. I'm thinking Martin McGuinness is as good as any of them. And therefore I, I, I chose in my introductory remarks to uh, describe Martin as a true great leader of modern time. Now the wolf whistles resounded around the waterfront hall. I, I had a very happy audience there. <laughs> but when I came out, and especially when I came back the next day uh, to discover a headline on a morning uh, newspaper which, which read um, Latimer walks on victims' graves. I came back to my church hall. There was a coffee morning function and cake sale there, and it was it was like a fridge. It was cold, and there were two or three copies of this paper lying around the hall. Uh, obviously, people had been reading. People were interested, and there wasn't much communication with me. And then the next day, oh, the next day it couldn't have been worse. I had um, an RAF association. Uh, church service so all of these ex-servicemen who were served in the RAF were parading to my church I never saw as many flags and all their medals were jangling and I had to I had to preach in front of them it was it was scary um, but afterwards and there there were there was there was notable silence uh, from many of the people I went to the door and at the door of the church there were not too many comments but one man uh, next serviceman leaned into my ear and he whispered, David, blessed are the peacemakers. I thought that was lovely. Very good. Uh, courageous of him. Uh, come, obviously come. seeing a wee bit further than the end of his nose. Yeah. Did, see, after your, you made your address to the Sinn Féin Ardesh in 2011, what sort of reception did you get after you made your speech from the crowd there? Oh, there was a standing ovation. Honestly? Standing ovation. For, for you after your speech? Yeah. Martin came across and embraced me, and Jerry Adams came across and embraced me. And then, of course, if people were starting to sort of maybe see that Martin uh, was okay to be friendly with in a, in a, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a distant kind of way, Jerry Adams was was certainly not a person that I should have been uh, embracing. Uh, and, and I mean, they talked about me shaking the blood-stained hands of, of terrorists. And uh, many people would have wanted me to have said certain things. They wanted me to go in and read the riot act, if you like. Yeah. But hey, I was into to build bridges, not walls. Yeah. And the last thing... I, I wanted to do was to point the finger or apportion blame or be judgmental because let's face it that's 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 the work of somebody bigger than all of us. I was there really to 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 inform my audience, my Republican audience, that um, you know uh, we 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 we've all played a part in 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 this conflict. And, and we, 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 we've all been part of the problem. But as John Hume 
frequently said we can also all be part of the solution so I was calling uh, towards the end of my my address uh, for a day of hope and transformation I was wanting to bring people from all sides together and for us to stand and acknowledge that you know our hands were all dirty and none of our hearts were pure and it was time maybe to acknowledge for the sake of our children there's got to be a better way we've got to move closer together uh, and, and we've got to identify how we can how we can occupy this wee bit of space peacefully just before we move off the subject did you lose members of your own congregation um, after the Ardesh address there there were some families that left instantly um, they 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 um, they, they, they felt that they just could not uh, they could not listen to me in the pulpit as a result of um, describing Martin as the leader and being in the company of these awful people that they considered uh, them to be uh, and, and as time passed for example uh, after Martin's funeral I, I lost more families Honestly, mm, people found it hard. Even to, in his death, you lost. Even some. in his death, I think people found it very hard to accept that David Latimer, a Protestant minister, could say in a Catholic church at the funeral of the former IRA leader that uh, today I'm, I'm, we're giving thanks for Martin McGuinness's life, and, but one at some point in the future, I look forward to. Uh, to, to, to being with Martin and to giving thanks to God for the journey we've been on. People find that impossible. Martin McGuinness can't be in heaven. They've got a very small view of God. He's in a very tiny wee box. Uh, I don't see him in a box at all. Um, and, There's nothing uh, alive can judge anybody else. You see, people would have said to me, David, he never said sorry. But... I, I, my response to that was, I said, if Martin was to go on to the, the top of the tallest mountain in Ireland mm -hmm. and say whatever it is you mm -hmm. think he should say, there would be mm -hmm. loads of people who just wouldn't believe. They would yeah. say, he's only doing that to That's please right. you. He doesn't mean it. But I said, he didn't need to go on to the top of a mountain. And why is that? Because he was living in forgiveness and the proof of the puddings in the eating. Just think of what Mrs. Foster said when she learned of his death. She said, I, I don't believe we'll ever see the like of him again. She was recognizing in his death that here was a man who was, who was standing tall uh, and who was different and who, who had, uh, who had planted seeds, uh, the fruit of which he wasn't going to see, but I think we will see those shoots come up. And those shoots will be for the benefit of generations still unborn on this island. Have we got another leader like Martin in this island at the moment? Oh gosh, I, I, I would love to think we do. I, I remember when I worked before I came into the church. They, they, they remember doing an essay on, on in, in economics, you know, about leadership. Are leaders born or are they made? And 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 as I have got older, and you observe the people who occupy the prominent stages uh, in the world, I'm I'm persuaded that leaders are born. Uh, and Martin Martin. 
exemplified that. He, he, he fell out of school uh, as a young teenager. You know, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, met them in Sainsbury's, and they says to me, Reverend, always wanted to have a wee word with you. Just to let you know, I used to sit beside Martin at the same desk in the school. But he says we went our different ways. Isn't that lovely? Uh, yeah, he, 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 uh, I, I know a solicitor in the town who has been very successful in his practice and would know of Martin. I knew of him and would have said to me, David, if he'd gone on with school, he would have been at the top of one of the, the main professions. That's quite oh, okay. an accolade. Mm -hmm. He was special. He was gifted. And I think uh, um, God was able to use the, the specialism and the giftedness uh, to spend a decade um, uh, charting a course and, and, and ploughing a furrow that, that has shown us what the roadmap to the future is like. Come here, Stephen. What would your advice be to the politicians here as the talks continue on Stormont to try and find a deal um, mm. to restore things? What would your advice be to them if you could sit around a table with all the leaders mm. now? What would you say? Right. Well, my, my advice would be don't give up. Don't give up easily and uh, don't quit quickly because... Um, there, you know you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way and it's uphill at the moment <coughs> but we could be closer to a resolution than anybody uh, could ever imagine um, so I would want them to exercise patience and to keep on working because anything that is worthwhile is worth working for and indeed after the death of Lyra McKee here in the city just before Easter I felt um, there was something that I was exercised about doing and I went and shared it with the Derry Journal. That's a, there's a journalist there, Sean McLaughlin, and the editor, um, Arthur Duffy, and they would be people I would bounce stuff off. And when I shared it with them that I wanted to write a letter, a plea to the party leaders to persevere, they said, David, uh, we will give that prominence, strike while the iron's hot. And of course, a letter signed by David Latimer would be thrown in the rubbish bin. But if I got a letter signed by thousands of people, mm -hmm. hey, hey, different story. It a bit of weight. And I, and I talked with the principals of the post-primary schools, Catholic and Protestant. They received my blank white rolls of wallpaper for students to sign. Oh, very good. And I went into shopping centres and I was at the Guild Hall and thousands of people signed. How many did you finally get to sign it? More than 8,000. Oh my God. And I could have got more if I'd had more time. Yeah. And the icing on the cake was that uh, uh, the, the, the rolls of wallpaper, I delivered them down to Stormont and Naomi Long received them from me and she was going down to the, the castle where all the party leaders were at that afternoon together with Karen Bradley, Secretary of State and the tarnished uh, Simon Coveney and she took a photograph and the photograph was of that group with one of the big rules and of course written at the top of this rule was make storm at work. Now that was the voice of the people getting right into the room where the talks were taking place and our message was keep 
keep talking. Don't give up. This is an opportunity that if we miss it, we could end up in the wilderness for years to come and we don't want to be there. So I asked you what your advice would be and your response was, just to paraphrase, don't give up. Mm. So I'll ask you the same question, only use a different word. What practical steps do you believe can be done to overcome these so-called red lines, mm. for example, mm. the Irish Language Act. Yes. And I'm going to ask you a direct question here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that the Irish language should be recognised in law? I, I'm actually wanting to learn Irish. Okay. Good. When, uh, when I go By the way, out, I to hope speak, you're not trying to dodge my question here. No, I'm not. <laughs> when I, when I go out to speak, particularly. Uh, indeed, not just in, in, in Catholic or Nationalist Republican audiences, when my book was launched in First Derry, because I knew that I had a cross-section of people there, I, I, I began by welcoming everybody in Irish. Very good. And I finished with some Irish words. And indeed, on many of the books I'm signing, I would be adding the, 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 the words legach banacht yes. uh, with blessings or, or, or words to that effect. Banacht mm -hmm. um, God bless you, in Irish. Um, they, they, so uh, I, I, uh, I have to reflect that, that uh, Presbyterians in the past, in Donegal, kept the Irish language alive. Um, uh, by 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 speaking Irish in 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 their church services. Now it has become it has become uh, the focus is on the Irish language, and I feel we have to try and find some way of 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 allowing our two cultures to feel that they are being represented fairly and equally, and and and. Uh, my, the Unionist family, of which I'm a member, does does feel that their Britishness is under attack. Uh, there's a need for but, but Unionists but, and Protestants to demonstrate... The, the Irish language, you know, and we're all Irish. We, we, are. we can identify as yeah. Irish, British, European. But yeah. like, a language never offended anyone. No, no. You take offence from a language. You can. It can't be given. And, 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 and I, think, I think the place for... There, there, there are the contentious issues. Uh, there's, there's the, the, the same-sex relationships. Yeah, uh, the DUP uh, will, will find that difficult. Mm -hmm. The Irish language, uh, the Sinn Féin's insisting on that. Now, all the time that we have this, um, this intransigence, if you like, um, uh, schools are feeling the effect. Uh, just the other evening we had a principal from a Newry primary school on saying that <coughs> parents were having to buy pens and paper for their pupils. Yeah. No, no th this is wrong, this is wrong. I, I think we've got the cart before the horse uh, and, and I feel that our politicians need an opportunity uh, to work on non-contentious issues that are win-win, uh, issues like inward investment. After our young people graduate from McGee, where are the jobs for them? They're shoot. They, 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 they are politicians. But, but should be out. Can, can I just ask you an honest question? Do you honestly think, in the past, that Theresa May or successive Tory or Labour governments, for that matter, and looking into the future, that Boris Johnson possibly will have any interest in a school in Newry? Um, which, which having to bring in the parents having to bring in toilet paper like yeah, I don't believe which is all the more reason for our politicians being encouraged. 
to stick with the talking and not to give up. We need devolved government. We need our own politicians. These are fine people. They're different. And we'll not always see eye to eye and we won't always get on. But, like, let's face it, in families we don't always get on. Sometimes it's a long bridge that connects uh, family members. It's an even longer bridge when it comes to our political uh, abyss. But, you know, I I think we have to believe that uh, we, we, we can make progress. And we, and what do we want to do it for? We want to do it for the good of the people. And the people, uh, when I was having that uh, petition signed across in Chantala in the Northside Shopping Centre, people were coming up to me and, and they were saying, uh, Reverend, hello. Pardon me. I saw you on television one time. Oh, how you doing? It's lovely, lovely to meet I you. I saw you give a sermon at, pardon, pardon me interrupting, at... Uh, you just had a, a guy there come over to you, David, that interrupted us. <laughs> and where was he from? Oh, from Texas in the United States. He's never seen me, but he recognised me from television and from speaking at Martin's funeral uh-huh. and telling me how he was inspired by what I said. Oh, my goodness. That's brilliant. Oh, gosh. And I suppose just for our listeners, we're sitting here in the lobby of the Derry City Hotel today oh, having this interview. So... Um, yeah, I see everybody that's walking past you is nodding over at you, so you're you're a bit of a, a bit of a slab around here. Oh, I'm not, I'm not. oh my goodness! I wish Martin McGuinness was here, talking with me well, about about, about our journey. I suppose just before we we get off, um, your advice to the politicians in Stormont. Um, yeah, so don't give up. Oh, is is the main key message that yes. you would be saying? Yes, yes. Tell me this: just would it be fair to say that maybe? It's uh, very easy for us all, including myself, mm-hmm. to criticise mm-hmm. our politicians and leaders, what regardless is. of what perspective mm-hmm. we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Should they be maybe given more encouragement instead of continuously mm-hmm. being criticised? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, word, words can be used to build people up or tear them down. Yes. Uh, somebody said, gentle words fall lightly, but they carry great weight. Um, so there are there are there are words that I think we have to be using to convey to our politicians. You know something, you people have an unenviable role here, uh, and 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 yet a, 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 a lovely role in that you have within your grasp the the, the shaping of of a society that's going to be fair and equal uh, for all of us, where where nobody, whether they're gay or straight, whether they're uh, Catholic, Protestant or dissenter, whether they're black or white, uh, will feel that they're being marginalised or overlooked. So um, it, 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 I, I, I sometimes look at it like this. Um, when you're preaching in a pulpit, there are people in the pew who think they can do it far better than you. I'd love to give them a chance. The discovery just wouldn't be so easy. And it's the same with our politicians. They're the armchair experts. I get weary listening to these political commentators who keep telling the politicians what they should be doing. If this had been so easy, it would have been solved before now. This is difficult, but I think we are... It's uphill, as I said earlier. My goodness. Uh, I think our politicians have to look upon the setbacks that they're experiencing, whether it's around Irish language or same-sex relationships, look upon those setbacks not as 
dead ends, but as stepping stones that can allow you to circumvent and move on and maybe solve something further down and come back and look at Irish language and same sex and in that way allow for our devolved administration to come back into play and to come back into play for all the people. Would it be fair to say that the word compromise needs to be reintroduced back into every society. Lovely word. Some people see that as a poisonous word. They see it as weakness. They I just, see it as I a just, sign of I strength. Just, I read your book there last night and I noticed you used it quite a bit yourself. I see it as a sign of strength. I, uh, when when I, I, uh, I was having people sign the petition to take down to the party leaders, one man came over to me and he says, Reverend Ach, I don't know whether I should sign. He says, it will take a miracle, but then you, you're in touch with a man who can make miracles happen. <laughs> but he says, I'll sign my name and then I'm going to put another word underneath it. And he signed his name. He was an artist, beautiful flowing signature. And then underneath he wrote a word and he drew a big circle around his name and the word. And he, as he went away, he says, that's what they need to do. And of course that word was compromise. I said, you're quite right. And I think uh, eventually it will happen but it has to happen in a way that one side doesn't feel they're losing face we have to we have to be joined up and clever and and and, and sensitive everybody coming out of a, bar, a negotiation must feel as if they walked away with something absolutely it's, it's so necessary zero-sum games are, are, are uh, take us nowhere win-win uh, outcomes um, will will allow us to, to feel empowered and certainly will allow our politicians uh, to move on to the next the next uh, the next obstacle if you like and to tackle that you just mentioned moving forward how can we move forward do you think or do we need to address our past before we can truly move forward as a society and I suppose I'm referring here about victims loved ones mm. that have died mm. legacy cases on all sides by the way because nobody has a monopoly on suffering, mm. as somebody mm. once famously said. Mm. Um, oh but can we can we move forward before we address our past? Do you think? Well, I what would worry me is that by continuously looking back, we will be holding ourselves back from moving forward. Uh, some some mechanism has to be found whereby the past which which cannot be dismissed easily or overlooked or forgotten but that has to be addressed simultaneously or if you like in parallel with the journey forward or that that allows our politicians to work for all the people uh, and 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 if we if we focus only on the past uh, if you keep looking into the rear view mirror you end up in the ditch and that's not where we want to but, end up. But, but for, you know, I forget the exact number, but say 3,600 people died mm. in mm. what was called the conflict. Mm. And many, 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 many more thousands maimed, injured, yes. whatever, yes. and even with post-traumatic stress disorder mm. and mm. God knows what else. So, like, this has, unfortunately, you know, a, a large section of our society has been affected by the recent past. Mm. So for them and their families, I think understandably so, mm -hmm. it can be very difficult for them to want to, you know, move forward or look forward. They do want to, but only when they are considered, and that means investigating 
their loved ones how they died, being upfront and honest about it, getting acknowledgement that it actually happened, and for whoever was guilty, whether it be the British government or whoever, to take ownership of it and say, yes, we are sorry. I, I, I um, think that there has to be a day, and maybe just not one day, uh, that allows people from every quarter to come together uh, and, and, and that is to acknowledge what has happened um, and, 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 and it maybe needs representatives of the different organisations, the police uh, and the army the British government and the Irish government, representatives of the political parties, representatives of the paramilitary organisations, together willing to agree a formula of words that would touch people's hearts and allow them to start climbing up out of the river of hurt to see that there is a future for them. Um, now we attempted that here with Martin Luther uh, King III in Guildhall Square we had words on a screen and I invited people, 6,000 plus gathered in Guildhall Square and, and it was, if you like, an opportunity to, to express our regret and our sorrow at the loss uh, and, and the barbaric way that, 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 that the life uh, turned out to be in, 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 in this part of Ireland uh, and, and, and to, to pledge for the sake of our children, that we will do better. And I, I think a segment of our population that we cannot overlook are the young people growing up. Uh, we don't want them to grow up uh, experiencing uh, the rancour and the bitterness uh, that's associated with, with so much of the conversations that take place. Uh, they, they are on a different page and they see things differently they've got fresh perspectives they've got clear ideas right. and you know something they're not living in the past they're, they're, they're not they're, carrying the baggage they're more interested about Twitter and the, their mobile mm. phones <laughs> they're not wearing the dark glasses so I yeah. think we have to bring them in uh, to the conversation to assist us all to see how do we move forward and how can we move forward in a way that's going to respect the, the, the losses that people have sustained uh, and, and, and yet to try and find a way of, of not, of, as the Queen put it in her wonderful message when she was with President McAleese on her state visit to Dublin uh, in 20, 2010 was it, uh, and she talked about being able to bow to the past but not being bound by the past. Now, how, 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 how's, how does that unravel in the hearts and lives and homes and communities of people who are hurting? That's something we, we want to explore and to drill down and discover. Mm -hmm. are, are religious leaders doing enough, David? And I suppose that includes you. No, it does, <laughs> it does. You know, and, and, and I, I, I would want I'm, to... I'm sorry, just can I also add to that? Does religion have a part to play in these talks, or in any of it? Well, let, let me let me uh, let me respond by saying the church the church is not as big as it used to be. Its voice has become weaker in in uh, 
the civic space, the public space, uh, and it's just a, a, another voice among many striving to be heard. Um, I, I, I think uh, church leaders in the past have, have made some great statements, uh, helpful statements, um, the kinds of things you would expect the church to be saying. But sometimes, sometimes I think maybe there's safety in their statements, uh, and 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 I think I think words words. Someone has said a, a, an ounce of action is worth more than a pound of words. Mm -hmm. And if if I was just to re revert back to the, the the petition that I was uh, inviting people to sign, I thought it'd be wonderful if. If the churches in the Derry and Strabane Presbury, 46 churches, ranging from Malinhead down to Ballyshannon and Donegal, from Eglinton uh, on the other side of the river, all the way down to Cyan Mills, almost 10,000 Presbyterians. So I got permission in Presbytery to introduce this uh, and to see if we could perhaps get the petition sent out to every church. And there was a great reception for it in Presbytery, which was encouraging. However, somebody thought, we need to refer to Church House. And the response I got from Church House was disappointing. Uh, they said that uh, no contact should be made with congregations or ministers to have this uh, petition signed. Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate, as the moderator was and, about to make a I, statement. Can I just clarify, Church House is your kind of like... Headquarters. Headquarters, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't see how uh, a petition inviting people to sign their names to encourage politicians to to persevere was was going to be a problem or would would be in conflict with anything the church leaders would be saying. In fact, I think, with hindsight, having heard what they said, uh, it would have reinforced the message and it would have allowed people to to mobilise themselves to convey that message more powerfully that we want Stormont back and we want it to work for us all. So the churches, uh, um, I remember something Martin Luther King, Dr King said, he was asked about the support he was getting from the churches and he said this, he says, uh, I think they have become anaesthetised behind the security of their stained glass windows. Mm. Perhaps that is something that still applies here in Ireland. That's a pretty deep quote and um, it could be accurate, yeah. But I suppose you could say that about different walks of life as you well. You could, yeah. you could. And I, 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 I think we, 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 we have to find ways of, of, of um, unpacking how we can do it better uh, so that, so that uh, it's, it's, it's not a particular religious cause that we're wanting to espouse or promote. It's, it's, it's really the message of the guy we all read about in a book called Jesus, who didn't behave according to the status quo. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He crossed over the line. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who was murdered by the Nazis um, at, at, at the end of, of the First World War, said this, life is messy. How true. It's as messy today as it was then. And then he goes on to say, we can waste our lives by drawing lines or we can live our lives by crossing lines and I think the church maybe has to be encouraged collectively 
And the church, after all, is not the clergy, it's the people. Mm -hmm. So the church, i.e. the people, have to be given opportunities to collectively make their voice heard. And I think a day of, of, of acknowledgement would allow a multitude of people maybe to find the healing that they're looking for. It's not going to be a magic wand, but my goodness, maybe to hear. Way in the past, Gusty Spence made some statements regarding his activity within the Ulster Volunteer Force. Those were powerful words. That was a courageous, brave statement he made. I think we maybe still need to hear statements from people, uh, uh, from from a whole range of, of groups that would allow uh, those living with pain and loss to, 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 to see that they're not being overlooked and they have not been forgotten and there is, there is remorse and there's sorrow and there's regret but there also has to be hope for the sake of our children that we pick up the pieces difficult as it might be to move forward uh, to ensure that the past will never again be repeated Wise words mm. You mentioned there David that the Presbyterian Church you're a reverend in the Presbyterian Church just out of curiosity What's the difference between the Presbyterian Church and the Free Presbyterian Church? Now, would I be right in saying that um, the late Ian Paisley set up the Free Presbyterian, yeah. so he broke yeah. away from your um, he group? Did. He never broke away. He never was a Presbyterian. His father was an independent Baptist minister, okay. and Ian Paisley's early theological training was, was received in the theological hall of the Reformed Presbyterian Church in Belfast. Right. But probably influenced by by the way in which the Irish Presbyterian Church appeared to be uh, travelling in the direction of, of, of wanting to be friendly with the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. This gave Ian Paisley a platform and it gave him a platform to to accuse the Irish Presbyterian Church of being on a rumoured trend and of course okay. this unsettled lots of okay. people and yeah. many of those people left and joined his church when it started in the late 40s, early 50s and uh, the church continued to grow, not massively but for one man to bring together maybe 50, 60 churches on the island of Ireland uh, because it did, it, it did extend into Donegal and Monaghan um, it was quite an achievement but it was, it, was, it was a church that he would have described as a separatist church I okay. mean you, only, you had to be on the same page as him yeah. if you were going to be within his room if you like and, and he, he, found, um, he found accommodation for much of his theology uh, within the South Carolina uh, region of America and with Dr. Bob Jones uh, from where, from whose university in Paisley received a Doctor of Divinity. Mm-hmm. No, I just wanted to touch on Ian because obviously Ian was part of the OFM DFM yes. office as Martin was. Mm-hmm. And, um, but now in fairness, you haven't wrote a book about Ian Paisley. You've wrote your book about Martin. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're going to um, you know, mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. Um, most of this interview to Martin. But yes. I'm assuming you met and the late Ian Paisley and I suppose what was your assessment of the man? Mm -hmm. I I met him on a few occasions 
on one occasion, uh, indeed the first, I, 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 I kind of felt, I would love Martin McGuinness and Ian Paisley talking on my church together. The interview. Uh, about the journey they've been making and how they've been able to handle uh, the, 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 the huge differences uh, and yet come together in the interest of the country uh, to share the, the, the office of the First and Deputy First Minister. And uh, I went to his... Uh, uh, it was, the General Assembly was, 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 was meeting. I was down. It was a Wednesday evening and I had found out that Ian Paisley has a prayer meeting on a Wednesday evening at his church. So I went across and waited and went in and sat in the pew of his church hall, which wasn't well attended. And uh, he conducted worship and then there were lots of prayers. And uh, I even ventured to say a prayer myself because I thought, gosh, I'm going to be talking to this man. He'd maybe think it's strange me being here uh, and, and me a minister and not saying a prayer. And I remember I, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to uh, sort of, in my prayer, uh, remember the people from Afghanistan where I had served uh, as, a, as a British Army chaplain. And uh, the, the man who got up to pray after me, these were audible prayers. The man got up to pray after me and he says, uh, and Lord, he says, like our brother, I want to remember the servicemen and women uh, in Afghanistan. Be with them. And then he went on to say, and he says, Lord, and I want you to give Dr. Paisley a loud voice. And then the prayer continued. But Lord, he has a loud voice, but keep it loud. <laughs> but on that evening, after that... I think them prayers were definitely answered. Oh, my goodness. But after, after that... Uh, uh, encounter in, in his church hall I met with him in his big office and I was there it was it was June 20 uh, uh, it was uh, 2011 our church had just opened uh, and uh, was it was this you said 2011 because you spoke at the Sinn Féin Ardash in 2011 so was this before this, or after this, the Sinn Féin this, this was in the month of June oh, okay. uh, my, my church reopened after nine years of being unsafe for public use due to the dry out, the, the outbreak of dry rot and uh, in 2011, the in the month of May the church opened uh, and we had a great service, we pulled in people from everywhere we, 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 uh, we stepped outside our comfort zones and invited Bloody Sunday families and we invited Claudy families, you know people yeah. affected by uh, bombs yeah. from both sides and uh, so, it, 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 during, you know, a month later, I'm in Belfast, and I think I must go around and talk to Ian Paisley. Maybe, and he, he, because we were planning a series of conversations mm -hmm. called Conversations yeah. Across Walls, and I thought Ian Paisley and and, and Martin McGuinness would would be a powerful, attractive pair for people maybe to tune into and 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 benefit from. And I remember saying to him, and and he didn't commit. And, and I was disappointed and uh, he, 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 he said to me when would you be thinking about this and I said uh, maybe September and he said oh I want you to come back to me later he said um, I want to think about this uh, and, and I, I, I remember getting onto the motorway at Randallstown and, and, and thinking to myself was I in the company of a man or a mouse tonight and those were, those were the words I had because I felt it, uh, why would he not consent to coming? Um, but then I suppose you have to remember that he was still in his church at that time. He had reached out to Sinn Féin. He was in partnership with Martin in the, in, in the first minister's office. And he was coming under severe 
attack both from his church and his party and in the end we see him uh, removed from both so he was experiencing pain that I perhaps could never imagine but I enjoyed my conversation with him and then since that uh, we would have talked on a couple of occasions and I've been back on uh, on uh, to talk with his wife in the Lord Bandside Library on the Upper Newton Arts Road on two occasions and I have enjoyed those immensely. Excellent. You just touched there, um, you served for three months in the Helmand province. Um, you're on record, I mm. believe, David, and having said you had serious doubts about the war in Afghanistan. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that, please? I certainly could. Um, what the, Something that army chaplains are... Uh, invited to be part of is 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 what goes on in an operating theatre in the hospital. Now, y you just wouldn't think of that happening in Alton Galvin or the Royal or Daisy Hill. Uh, the surgeons would think you're getting in the way, but the surgeons see you as an important part of the team. Why is this? Um, I think I think they have such regard themselves for the Pandre. He's, he's, uh, some of them refer to the Padre as the Sky Pilot, that would be in the RAF. Many of them see the, the Padre as the OC of the God Squad. You're, 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 you represent something, something that, 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 that is mysterious, if you like. You're, you're, you're the man that's tasked with the, the spiritual welfare of, of, of um, the soldiers. So, that took me, that took me really by surprise and, and, and when you're in there and you are witnessing surgeons at work with their little laser guns sort of getting through the flesh, the smell of burning flesh coming up into your nostrils and then a wee saw, a wee circular saw is brought out. I'd associated a wee circular saw with cutting wood, bones, thigh bones, um, um, ankle bones bones in your elbows and in your arms and before you know your legs off and it's thrown into a bin and I'm seeing all of this and then I am looking at the, the contents of body bags that are coming in. In three months there were 58 body bags. The oldest guy inside those body bags was a fellow of 40. He was blown to wee pieces. He was identified by a piece of graffiti on the, on, above his belt uh, at the back of his body and, and those the words that he had written there uh, were living the dream and one of his mates identified some of these letters and said that's muggy that's definitely muggy um, another guy parachute regiment uh, soldier and you would have thought he was sleeping hair a bit dusty and sand as a result of the IED that went off and uh, blue uh, his body from below his nipples into into the atmosphere uh, so he was lying with half a body and looking so peaceful as if he was sleeping so pleasant and all of that's playing on my mind and I'm thinking gosh war doesn't have any winners and you're there in your capacity as a representative of been a pastor, chaplain, but also from the British Army. Mm. People were saying to me, it, uh, the, the tour of duty I was on in the second half of 2008 was alleged to be the busiest British uh, operation since the end of the Second World War. I mean, there were nearly 1,100 casualties coming in 
and they're not coming in with a wee fingernail hanging off or a wee gash on their cheek. They're coming in with, 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 with injuries ranging from life-changing to life-ending. And, and one evening, uh, coming out of, of a ward, it was the, uh, it was the, uh, an intensive care ward, uh, where there was a wee girl uh, who was detained for much longer than she should have been, and that was because a bomb went, went AWOL and dropped into a compound, and it seemed like all her family had been wiped out. And we Fatima was uh, was they just pictured the surgeon I, I'm on my way back and I pop in and I said to him James uh, he was from the south of England I says James everything good he says David I have to do a, a procedure here and if it doesn't work it's index for Fatima so I says can I can I can I can I sit in on it and he says of course so uh, across there was a at a desk there was a swivel chair and I sat in the swivel chair and watched this man with a line if you picture a thread that you would be attaching a button to a jacket with it's pretty thin freeze that that was the line that he was wanting to get into an artery and he tried both sides of the wee girl's neck and then he tried inside of her two thighs and the sweat was coming off him and 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 he he was up on the bed with his leg and his knee and he was trying real hard and in the end he got the line in and I remember saying to him, James, you know something? I know you have two daughters back in Portsmouth but you couldn't have done more for them than you've done for this wee girl whom you don't know at all. I says, well done. And he was so appreciative. And so I'm coming away back to my typewriter after all of this ugliness and horror and I'm thinking at this moment in time I wrote in my blog I, I could not recommend the mobilisation of young men and young women to a theatre of conflict. And of course, I went back to Belfast and a prominent newspaper, a journalist, saw an opportunity of a headline and the headline read, Army Chaplain says he can no longer support war. I, I used to think, I used to think that if prime ministers and presidents said we're going to war, they knew what they were talking about. I'm now not sure that they do and in fact I would love a, a child within all of their families to be in the infantry and on the front line. One of the mornings uh, in, in theatre there was a, a guy, a British soldier and the, they thought he was, he was gone and I was asked to say a prayer, Padre, with the anaesthetist, the fella's head, I'm standing up beside his head, big team of surgeons around him, the rest of the theatre staff uh, oh, their faces were as long as Lurgan spades because they all thought he was on his way out and uh, his, his chest's open and a surgeon's holding his heart and I and, 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 the, and Ethan says to me Davey you should say something here say a wee prayer and I'm trying to work out what do I say here uh, whew, this is this is virgin soil and uh, and then he says hold on hold on he says there's something happening here all the needles he was watching them they were stabilising he says wait wait now they've saved that young guy's life and I then said, guys, in God's name, can I thank you for bringing this young guy back from the very edge of the grave, to which the surgeon, who was a full colonel, with the, the guy's heart still in his hand, he looks at me and he says, David, thanks very much. Now, with all of that in my mind, having seen and having smelled and having listened to the pain of soldiers who are saying to me and officers, Padre, if you don't, if you don't send a message out, who will? This is awful. Uh, we don't know why we're here. And so uh, I felt that I had to say something. It didn't go down very well. Um, but just um, 
I had, I, I had, I had fairly severe interviews with, with the chaplain's department when I came back. And to roll the tape forward, I've never shared this with anybody till now, but to roll the tape forward a bit, um, back in May, I was asked if I would host a group of new entrant chaplains. So there were about 20 of them. And months earlier, the army do their preparation well in advance. And I had two very senior chaplains, one from uh, chaplain's headquarters in London, come across to meet me in Derry. And they're acknowledging, David, you weren't treated very well by the chaplain's department after you came back. And here we are wanting to ask you if you'd talk to uh, a new cohort of, 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 of chaplains. And uh, you don't don't feel you have to say yes. I says, guys, do you know something? That was in the past. I said, I'm not living in the past. I'd be delighted to share with these guys, and I'll maybe share with them how I was treated. But I says, I'd be delighted to talk with them about about being a minister here in a divided society, and the support I got from my Catholic neighbours when I went off to Afghanistan, and how the army didn't see that as an opportunity. To, for, whereby communities were starting to think maybe we can support somebody wearing a British Army uniform and that was me hey that was that was that was big stuff David we're over the hour mark here and the more that you talk <laughs> I'm sitting here uh, in, a, in, a, in a trance the more <sighs> questions that's coming into my head but <clears throat> so we could sit here for days but I suppose one subject that I would like to just cram in before we finish this interview today is um, what's your thinking on the whole Irish reunification? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to prepare for a border poll? Mm-hmm. Um, now I appreciate we could sit here for hours talking about this, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I suppose w- would you support an All-Ireland Forum being set up mm-hmm. to discuss this? because? I guess if we have learnt anything from Brexit is if you don't have a conversation and people don't have full knowledge of the pros and cons, yep. then you know what's the alternative? So, mm-hmm. would you agree that now is the time to, you know, for the Irish government, British government, the Europeans, uh, American government, maybe to sit around with all parties in Ireland and say, right, we can't bury our heads in the sand here any longer. Mm-hmm. This conversation is live. The train has left left the station, mm-hmm. and we're, we're going to have to have a mm-hmm. conversation. Yep, yep, yep. I, uh, for the first time in my lifetime, uh, the Irish issue has now become uh, credible. It's been pushed onto the f- the top of the agenda by virtue, uh, as you allude to there in your question of Brexit. Um, I, I'm I'm heartened by something Jerry Adams said recently in that he said after a border poll we don't want to rush into a united Ireland without a plan that was that was music to my ears Um, because uh, I think around Brexit we've observed uh, what 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 could be called a sort of a ramshackle dad's army kind of uh, leadership style that 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 just takes us deeper into the dark. Now the 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 reunification of Ireland, the the um, reconfiguration of this 32 county bit of space, is now real, and uh, we 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 cannot uh, bury our heads in the sand thinking it's going to go away because it isn't. Um, so therefore. 
I I feel that uh, we have to we have to approach this in a very joined up, sensitive, thoughtful way. Uh, the, the 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 idea of of the unionist family being subsumed into a greater 32 county island entity uh, sends shivers right down through their spines. It always has any talk of the border, any talk of of um, of United Ireland, and we have to our our Catholic nationalist Republic neighbours have to be in tune to that. So um, I think the British and the Irish governments must, uh, sooner rather than later, uh, create some kind of body, an independent body, that will bring together a cross-section of people. Including civic society, obviously. Oh, totally, totally. This, uh, You know what Mark McGuinness once said to me? And not too many politicians like to admit they haven't got all the answers, but Martin said to me, David, we can't do it all by ourselves. He knew it needed the support of the wider society. And so therefore, I would see young people being pivotal within the equation of people that would be focusing attention on starting to explore and to chart a road map that would allow for the difficult conversations to take place that would enable us uh, over uh, maybe a decade or more, this cannot be rushed, uh, but that would enable us over a lengthy period of time to identify where we all fit in to a new uh, shared Ireland and where we would be safe and where our culture and tradition and identities would be respected. On Martin McGuinness's gravestone are these words, uh, we must govern every citizen with equality. I think that has to be the caption on the door of the room where these discussions will take place. You're only after saying there, we have to create the conditions for a new shared Ireland. We spent months thinking about our name, and that's exactly why we used them words, shared Ireland. Because if there's ever a question in anybody's motivation, for me, that's all they have to think about them words, shared Ireland. It's the only. It's the only. It's the only way to to look at the future, um, because one way or another, in one place or another, we, we have to. We have to live together, uh, and we have more. We have more within our humanity to unite us than, than to frighten us and to divide exactly. us. Um, and I think w- something I would want to say as we embark on that journey led by the two governments and if need be an independent person from outside um, if that was to add credibility and to give reassurances we have to see that it's not one side of the country moving forward with a spring in their step and the other side coming behind limping it has to be hand in hand at every step of the way moving forward to identify how the furniture should be arranged David, it's been a pleasure today, and before we finish, we always ask everybody the same question. Um, If you've ever listened to our podcast before, you'll know what it is. If you could invite three people to your fictional dinner party, alive or dead, who would they be and why? 
I, I, I would like to sit at a table with Nelson Mandela. Okay. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. And Martin McGuinness. And I would love just to listen in to their collective wisdom. But I gave wisdom. Crash at dinner party. I'd love to sit and listen yeah. to I would love to listen to their collective wisdom and the ideas that they could provide to assist us to coexist peacefully on this little bit of space, whether it's six counties or 32. And on that note, Reverend David Latimer, it's been an absolute privilege, and I sincerely mean that, talking to you today. Mm -hmm. uh, you give up at least two hours of your time here today. Mm -hmm. um, I wish you not only success in your endeavour with your book, all around the world mm. and what you're trying to do to bring the communities together here mm. um, keep it up and well thank done you. thank you it's been lovely it's been a privilege and, and indeed um, an honour and I'm using those words deliberately to, to, to spend time sharing a wee bit of a story that, that's only a drop in the ocean you know well, I'm sure our listeners will very much appreciate it. And speaking of our listeners, if you do like this podcast, folks, a wee like and a retweet uh, to spread the word a little bit further would be much appreciated. Thank you all and talk soon. Bye-bye.